hello there and welcome back to Seed Stories. We are your hosts Zeke Greenside and Tom Klinkhammer. On this program, we'll showcase a different seed variety through stories, seed saving techniques, history, and providing unique interviews with passionate seed savers from across the world. So without further ado, this week's seed is... Early White Bush Scallop Squash. This was an ancient summer squash that was a traditional food crop for the Northeastern tribes for centuries. In 1591, the White Scallop Squash was illustrated in the French botanist Matthias de Lobel's writings. In 1648, it was called Simnel, but in 1803, Thomas Jefferson wrote it as Simling because it looked similar to a Simnel cake which was a type of cake made during Lent. The squash was also known as custard marrow and patisson panache in France. Without saying too much more, I'm going to uh, roll a story I recorded last year from seed saver Carolyn Chartrand. I was up at her, her place in Winnipeg when it was negative 25 degrees in middle of January, and uh, we had a fantastic visit we are talking about seed stories and stories with Winona LaDuke and Métis history, and I was there helping her sort and germinate her vast amount of seeds. When I was leaving, my car was frozen solid. It was negative 25 the entire week. <laughs> we ended up heating the engine with a hair blow dryer and draping a hot rubber water bottle over it, but it finally started. So here's Caroline's story of the early white bush scallop squash. So I have a story about a squash. It's a summer squash called Early White Bush Scallop Squash. It was one of the squashes that was on the list of varieties that were grown by the Métis in the 1800s. And uh, so we found this variety. <coughs> uh, when, If we ever found a variety that was available from more than one source, we would want to choose choose the source that was closest to that that matched our climate or our, our bioregion the most and uh, so for this variety I forget if it was available from other sources but we ended up getting it from Abundant Life Seed Foundation which is quite far in a warmer climate but that was the best that we could find at that time because uh, it was a really rare variety that would have been in 97 or 98. So we got the seeds and we planted them out. The seeds were doing really well. I don't remember even tasting them though because we were so concerned about making sure we had seeds. It's possible we could have tasted a few of them, but we sure wouldn't eating very many of them because we were more concerned about preserving them and then so this was a kind of like a patty pan type or how yeah. does this look yeah yeah uh bush scallop scallops are like another yeah. word for uh patty pan and it's a squash type like a summer squash yeah type? it's a summer squash yeah and there's other names that these squash are called too of yeah. them being called i think simlings uh-huh. They look like little spaceships almost. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah, they do. That's a good way of <laughs> describing them, actually. Yeah. Or some of them look like um, starfish. Starfish, yeah. is that what you call them? The ones from the ocean? They look oh, like yeah, yeah. In the shape of stars. So, yeah, we didn't taste too many of them 
that I recall, we were mostly concerned about saving them for seeds and knowing that we'd have lots of seeds for the following year and we'd be able to eat as much as we wanted. So then the next opportunity I had to grow them was a couple of years later. I was growing them at my friend's farm where I was staying that summer. And so one day I was noticing that we planted quite a few of them and they were more productive and we planted extra so that we could eat some as well. And I was noticing that they looked like they were just about ready to start eating. So that year, my that day my friend was away, I decided to be to make the supper. So I was going to make meatballs and put some of the summer squash, the bush scallop squash in the sauce. So I started cooking and I harvested some of the squash and chopped it up and put it in with the sauce. And you know what? Usually when I'm cooking a spaghetti sauce or something like that, I like to do a little taste test along the way once in a while as I'm going along. But for some reason, I don't know why, this time, that didn't happen. I must have been feeling pretty confident in my cooking abilities that day. I never did any taste testing at all. And then I was so happy and proud of myself because I don't do meat bit, meatballs very often. So I was ready to serve the meal and passing around the plates to everybody and the kids and... The first person to dig in and eat a mouthful was the man of the house and I could not believe the look on his face because he was just, I can't even describe to you, but like he spit it out and he was like turning all red and he was like, what is this? Oh my God. Like I don't even think he could even speak for the first while. His reaction was so extreme. By the time we could finally get it out of him, like what the problem was, he said like, what did you put in here? He said, I have never ever tasted such an incredibly bitter taste in all my life. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Wow. I thought, well, what could be going on here? So I thought, no, it can't be that bad. Like. I decided to have a little I taste myself and it was like just a very tiny small drop. I couldn't believe that there could exist such a strong bitter taste. Well, nobody wanted to eat supper. I don't know what we ended up eating, peanut butter sandwiches or what, but nobody ate any of that meatballs, meatball sauce. So then we gave some to the dogs, because what are we going to do? That's what you do on a farm, right? You give the yeah. leftovers to the dogs, the dogs wouldn't eat it. <laughs> so then, later on, ended up going out to the pigs. And guess what? The pigs wouldn't eat it either. And you know, in trouble. <laughs> you know there's something wrong when the yeah. pigs don't eat it. But you know what? I was really concerned about this, because I thought, like, could this possibly have something to do with the squash? So, the next day, I went to the squash patch, 
and one plant at a time I very carefully took little bit with my fingernail just a tiny bit of the juice from the squash and tasted it and one at a time I went to the different squashes just to do a little tiny taste to see if I could detect if one of those plants was carrying the bitterness and sure enough when after I came from the first one that bitterness was so strong I couldn't get out of my mouth like to even go on to do future taste test to wait till the next day or later on that day to go back and it was like you had to be really brave to actually even just do the taste test because it was so bitter huh. anyway it was several years later when I was reading a book about the origins of squash and I don't remember exactly but it seems to me I remember like the weedy relatives or the <clears throat> The origin, the original squash that are that grow wild, are from from the Americas. I'm not exactly sure. I forget if it's like the southern tip of North America or if it was Central or South America. And then gradually over time, the squash traveled with people farther and farther north until they got into um, some of the southern areas of Canada. So. Now my question about the squash is, those traits must have still been in those squash seeds that I got from Abundant Life Seed Foundation. And I'm just really curious to know how that bitter taste was still, and not all the squash plants, just a few of them. But in order for us to keep our seeds and rogue out the bitter taste, yeah. We're going to have to have people that are going to be willing to do to taste. taste test so we can rogue out these uh, the bitter taste from those seeds as more than likely our ancestors must have probably done yeah. with other squash in the past. So was it a extreme difference from the bitter to the, to the more sweet squash taste? Or is it oh, a, absolutely. Or is it a blending line of no. bitter, mild, no. milder than... Uh, well, from what I recall, it was either extreme bitterness or good, perfectly pleasant. Huh. Yeah. So it was just. So just either the gene, the gene is e here. was e either off or on. Mm -hmm. It's possible there could be out there somewhere, like middle range bitterness <laughs> in some squash, but I guess if that bitterness is still there, then it must have genes from, like the farthest ancestors of the squash yeah their original squash that was the wild squash yeah maybe that tells you that that squash is closer to the wild exactly yeah so it has some of ours yes like that's exactly what i'm thinking it probably has some really ancient genes yeah still not perfected yet right yeah at for least by that for company human and dog and Pig consumption. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I learned a lot about squash that summer. That was just Metis seed saver Caroline Tarchan's story about this early whitebush scallop squash. Now wasn't that fascinating about the bitter gene? I looked this up. The bitter taste of squash and cucumbers comes from a natural organic compound called cucurbitacin. And the problem much more readily happens in cucumbers and it could be caused by several factors. The most likely reason is plant stress. 
The problem tends to worsen when extremes exist. Extreme heat, cold, drought, excess water, lack of plant nutrients, and so on. However, in summer squash, the problem may be linked to genetics. Many naturally occurring cucumber and squash relatives are weeds and can readily cross-pollinate, allowing the bitter genetics to be passed along to the next generation. So this is what Caroline and I were talking about, that this squash still has that wild squash weed bitter ancestor from two, three, four hundred, maybe a thousand, two thousand years ago. Now it hasn't been completely bred out as some of the squash that are more reliable tasting, but the early white bush scallop squash is normally a delicious plant. So Caroline must have just like won the lottery on that one to get that bitter gene back, which is kind of astounding. But yeah, normally the white bush scallop squash, you could fry it and saute it and bake it and it's delicious patty pan squash. Now, when you're planting the seed up here in Minnesota, you'll plant around June 1st. Plant one inch deep and 12 inches apart with three feet in between plants. The days to maturity is around 45 to 50 days and pick them early when the diameter is from one inch to four inches. If you're planning on saving seed from your early whitebush scallop squash, you're going to want to know that squash's species. The species of this variety is Cucurbita papo. Now there's actually multiple species within the squash family. There's Cucurbita maxima, which incorporates your winter squash types like your bananas, buttercups, hubbards. Then there's Cucurbita mixta, which uh, incorporates most varieties of kusha. Then there's Cucurbita moshata, which is your butternuts, and your Cucurbita papo. So if you're growing a summer squash or an acorn within the vicinity of a quarter mile, which is about how far a bee would fly, if it landed on your male flowers of one of these varieties within the Cucurbita papo family and then landed on another variety, those will be crossed. My strategy is just growing one variety for each one of these species because things do not cross across species, only within species. So if you grow one variety of Cucurbita maxima and then one variety of Cucurbita papo, for instance, if you were growing a Hubbard squash and the early wiper scallop squash, then you're safe. Two different species don't cross. Well, that'll do it for this episode. We're your hosts, Zeke Greenside and Tom Klinkhammer. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember, folks, it all starts with a seed.